morning we share in two scripture passages, a reading from Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 17 and then a reading from John chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. And you're going to hear a lot of references to the Spirit. By the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body. We are led by the Spirit of God and children of God. We are born of the Spirit, born from above. We cannot enter the kingdom without being born of the Spirit. What is born of the Spirit is Spirit. These things you will hear. And all of these things build on the fact that last week was Pentecost. And the Spirit of God descended on the believers and filled them. Filled their lives. And in that moment they gained a new ability to speak to others about what it was that God was doing. But being filled with the Spirit is not just a one-time thing. There are definitely important moments in our life that are significant turning points. But you can't have a turning point if you don't go in a new direction after you've turned. So to be led by the Spirit is to have been filled with the Spirit, to have the Spirit to fall upon you and then to become a child of God in a new way. And to become a child of God in a new way is to testify to and and speak about something in a new way and to exist in the world in a new way. And then to exist in the world in a new way is to embody the last verse we'll read in which... Jesus says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If I did this right, there's a three-step progression that happens in this sermon. One, to be led by the Spirit is more than just having had a great one-time experience. Two, To be led by the Spirit and to be a child of God is to speak about God in a new way. And three, to speak about what God does is to lead to life and hope and not condemnation. That's what I hope happens as we share in this sermon together. And that's in part what I hear. And I hope you hear as we turn to these scriptures. First, from the book of Romans, and second, from the Gospel of John. Romans chapter 8, we read, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. And when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with Him, so that we may also then be glorified with Him. 
And now from the Gospel of John, a familiar passage. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, and no one can do these signs that you do apart from the very presence of God. Jesus answers him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus says to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answers, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven the spirit of man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On that day of Pentecost that we read about last week, the Holy Spirit came to all those who were gathered and they began to live in a new way. And that is how the church was born. The believers who were gathered became the church and they began to cultivate an awareness of God within their hearts and among them at all times. For those who began the church at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they became filled with the Spirit and then they became led by the Spirit. And this is much different than just having a one-time amazing experience and looking back on it and saying, oh, wasn't that nice? You see, we have those things, those experiences a lot. But I think it's important in the life of faith to draw a distinction. It's wonderful to have fulfilling ecstatic experiences. But when it comes to faith, we can't just always search for those those experiences. If we think back to Romans 8... We need to be led by the Spirit. We don't need just one-off spiritual moments that move us from event to event to event. 
Because Pentecost was this one-time experience. But our life of faith is something that that sustains us beyond what a one-time experience can sustain us. Oh, I've had great experiences, had great days, had wonderful memories, have even had wonderful spiritual experiences in my life. And I hope you have too. But ultimately, the life of faith is more than just that. It's more than just chasing a good moment. Being led by the Spirit is the life of faith. And to be led by the Spirit means that we engage in ongoing spiritual practices that continue to fill our souls in meaningful ways and connect us continually to the presence of God that is all around us always. To be led by the Spirit means to attend to the stories of Scripture I think it means to be connected to God's family through the church. I think it's, it means cultivating an awareness of God's presence through prayer. And prayer can look different for all of us, but, but prayer is a way we connect to God. To be a child of God, to be led by the Spirit is to worship, to pray, to study, to serve, and to love and, in, and it's to do at least these very things. And in, in doing these things, though, we don't chase just the ecstatic experiences. But when we do experience those amazing spiritual breakthroughs, those amazing experiences, the cultivation of faith gives deeper meaning to them and deeper meaning to our relationship with God. And so Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes down and amazing things happen, and these are important parts of our life, to have these amazing experiences, but to 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 be led beyond that one experience is to be led by the Spirit, and this is how God begins to change the world through us who embody His Spirit. Now, as we were listening to Jesus talk to Nicodemus, there's a lot going on here. But one of the things that I think is simply put for us is that we speak about that which we know and that which we see. Chapter 3, verse 11. The Spirit of God descended at Pentecost and everybody received the ability to speak in a new way to those whom they would interact with. And in John chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus makes explicit this point to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus clearly had not developed the ability to speak about an experience of God beyond an earthly experience. You see, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a leader of the people, but he was one of the the good Pharisees, I think. Because here he was engaging with Jesus. He's asking questions and searching. And Jesus tells him that you will speak about what you know and what you experience. 
And so if Nicodemus wants to understand the power of God, he will have to experience that power for himself in a significant way. And the power of the message for him is the same as that message is for us. That if we want to speak about the power of God, we cannot just rely on a one-time experience of salvation. But we need to engage in everyday discipleship, everyday faith, in ways that continue to bring deep meaning to the remarkable experiences that we occasionally have. Now, I think about this in a very non-spiritual way. But I was reflecting this week and I went to one of the hockey games when they were playing the Stanley Cup Finals when the Hurricanes were in it. I went one time to see Carolina and Duke play in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I had the good fortune of being in Boston one year when uh, the, the Red Sox were playing. So I've seen the Red Sox play in Fenway Park. And I have proven that if you stay and doing something long enough, even you could finish a marathon because I ran the New York Marathon. But marathoners don't just do one marathon. I've done a marathon, but I'm not a marathoner. I've been to a Carolina Duke game, but I don't go to Carolina Duke games. I've been to the Stanley Cup Finals, but I don't go to Stanley Cup Finals games. And I've seen the Red Sox play in Fenway Park, and I'm a Red Sox fan, but... But I, I don't go to Red Sox games. The believers in Acts and the believers that Paul later writes to in Romans, some of them had an, ex, an experience. But the church was built on those who did something more with the experience that they had. They, they, they truly experienced the power of God and cultivated that experience in a way that allowed them to speak about it in the world. They engaged in regular discipleship. They connected with other believers. They grew in their knowledge of God through the scriptures by understanding what the prophets had said and, what, and how what the prophets had said was coming into being in their lifetime. They served one another and fulfilled that call to love their neighbor in radically gracious ways. They, they embodied a spirit of generosity that was concerned about the gifts that God had given them and, and then found ways to use the gifts God had given them to bless others. They understood that to truly speak about the power of the Spirit in their lives meant to speak about more than that one day, that one Pentecost in Jerusalem. It was more than just allowing that one-time thing exist on its own. For them and for us to fulfill the mission that God had given them through the power of the Holy Spirit it took a cultivation of the life of the Spirit within them so that they could speak about what was going on in a real way. And then that led them to salvation and to salvation for others 
rather than condemnation. Now all of us know John 3.16, I think, I hope, I suspect. You see uh, the Bannerman guy at the football game hold up John 3.16 behind the field goal sign, and you know what he's trying to do. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, God loves first, and then we respond. We believe. And then in John 3.17, Jesus talks about what that response, what that salvation is really about, when he says, God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To be saved, I believe, is for us to have a role in bringing about that salvation for others and not worrying about the condemnation part. You see, in, 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 in the way that my Bible is translated, from 11 through 16 is one paragraph. It's a paragraph that starts with, we speak about what we've experienced, and it ends with, if we believe we will be saved... And then, as if to say the next step, a new paragraph starts in 17. And it says, to be saved means that God is here to save the world, not to condemn the world. And as you talk about your experience of God, I hope it's in ways that help evoke goodness and generosity and joy and possibility and ultimately salvation rather than condemnation. Because what I hear from Jesus. And what I see in the rest of the book of John is a God who saves us for salvation, saves us for love, saves us for opportunity, and saves us for the benefit of others. In John chapter 3, Jesus speaks this, but in John chapter 4, he forgives a Samaritan woman. And then he heals the child of a government official. In John chapter 5, he heals on the Sabbath. In John chapter 6, he feeds 5,000, and he doesn't ask them before he feeds them, are you saved? You can have some bread. Are you saved? You can have some bread. Are you saved? Have some of the little boy's fish. Everyone has the opportunity to be fed by the love of God. No one on that hillside that day was condemned. And Jesus and those who are with him are called to attend to the presence of the Spirit and they're sent to one another for the sake of salvation, not condemnation. We who are led by the Spirit each day speak about what we know in order to bring about that salvation. Our role is not condemnation, not judgment, not telling others what's right and wrong, not necessarily drawing lines or even levying punishment. If it's anyone's job, it's God's. And what God calls us to before God separates the sheep from the goats, the good from the bad, those who are connected to the presence of the Spirit and those who are not. God puts us out in the world to bring about salvation. And the way that we do that is by engaging every day in our faith. We bring about the good news of love. We share the story of God's love and salvation because we are continually connected to it ourselves. And we will continually be able to do that, not because we one time had a great experience, but because we keep going back for more and for more and for more by connecting to our spiritual life and connecting to the love of God.
We turn our one spiritual experience into a life of everyday discipleship that helps us to speak about what God's doing and helps us to turn to our neighbor with love and salvation rather than condemnation or something else. And so today, I can't help but think about that amazing experience of Pentecost. But also think about how do we live in the wake of an experience like that. That experience must have been beyond what anybody could have imagined. With the Spirit being so alive and so present that people had a new language to speak. It hasn't happened for me like that. But I have had experiences of the power of God and I believe you have too. And when we experience the power of God, we're called to testify to it. And hopefully, as a result, we engage in our discipleship. And hopefully, by that, we're able to share God's love and God's power and God's presence with others. For the sake of our salvation and theirs. For the sake of those who are around us and for the sake of those around the world. And it all starts when we connect to God through everyday discipleship. So we lay aside condemnation and seek salvation. We stop chasing amazing experiences and start being led by the Spirit. And by attending to the power of God, we develop a new way to speak about all God's, God does for us. This is everyday faith. This is everyday discipleship. This is how we live in the wake of Pentecost. And it's how we join God's work of sending His Son into the world to save it, not to condemn it. I pray that we might receive the gift of the ability to do that today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for all the way that you have served us and met us and provide for us. And that as we connect to your love through our faithfulness each day, we thank you for the ways you open up yourself to us. Lord, help us today to embody the simple message, to, to practice the simple message, to engage in our faith and our connection to you every day so that we might be instruments of your love, your peace, and your salvation. This, O oh Lord, is our prayer for this day, and we offer it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.